Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the Infinite Spark of Being podcast. My name is Keith Welsh, and in this episode, I'm going to be talking to you once again about God. Um, You could call this God Part 2, the second coming, or as my friend James said, God Part 2, Electric Boogaloo. Um, That's an old reference for some of you, Um, or you could just consider it a follow-up. Either way, I think we all knew this was going to happen, but we... uh, (laughs) Before we get back into something so simple as, as God, if you'd like to support the ongoing creation of the infinite spark of being and all that that entails, you can do that at the infinite spark of where you can find links to all of the books, t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, and art prints, as well as the Patreon link that will allow you to kindly pledge $1 or $5 a month to the infinite spark of being. So here we are once again. God, part two, the second coming. Let's get started. So to get started, this is not me trying to disprove God. Um, I am not an atheist. Um, And, but I'm also not cocky and I'm also not afraid. I'm not afraid of God. So asking these questions, in my opinion, is very important. If we want the truth, if we want to try to understand the truth, if we want to even play with it, like I feel very playful with this stuff. I'm not... I'm not brooding over it. It's just fun to think about. Um, Then we have to be able to ask these questions. So let's start off by running God, the concept of God, through our widget analogy. Uh, For those of you that don't know and those of you that need a, a refresher, the widget analogy goes like this. I present you with an object. Your mind has no context for this object, so I tell you that it is called a widget. It does these things, it acts this way, and let's say for the sake of ease and context, I tell you that the widget is good. I essentially, I I describe it to you, right? 
this is your only experience with this widget. And you experienced it under my guidance. I told you what it was. Now, let's say that later on you encounter this widget. I'm not with you. And you experience thoughts, feelings, and opinions about this widget. You experience a description of the widget in your mind, right? Now, whose thoughts, feelings, and opinions are they? Those are mine. You experienced my description of the widget. Now, um, what if we apply this thought exercise to God, right? Um, depending on, on where you're from, uh, what culture you grew up in, God was described to you a certain way. God was described with certain attributes, certain capabilities, etc. So when you quote unquote experience God, whatever that means, whose experience are you having? Is it yours? Well, isn't that interesting to think about? Um, I would even go so far as to say that you were told how to experience God as well. You were told how to have this experience. Um, you know, a fascinating phenomenon of human thought is that we tend to ascribe mystical or religious slash spiritual beliefs to things that we have trouble understanding with our logical or egoic mind. For instance, um, I mentioned it in the first or second podcast, um, the experience I had when I was surfing at 15, that experience was viewed through the lens of the Christian understanding of God. My mind had no context for what I was experiencing. And due to my upbringing, if I didn't understand it or had no context for it, well, then it must be mystical and therefore God. So my belief was that I must be experiencing God. Why God? Because it was pleasurable. If it wasn't pleasurable, I would have said it was the devil, right? Um, it was uh, impossible for me to have had an experience without that influence at that point, whatever. Now, this isn't good or bad. It's just the way the mind works. Um, we as humans, uh, we tend to take anything indescribable and make it holy or sacred. Well, just because something is divine or holy doesn't mean it needs to be worshiped. We as humans have always taken the things we know the least about and either burned them the fuck down or worshipped them or worshipped them after we burned them, right? Anyway, um, I knew that I'd get a lot of questions about this, uh, well, that, that episode, and um, I even asked a few folks uh, if they had follow-up questions, and of course they did. Um, I will consider it a good episode because I got a lot of engagement, whether it was... Um, you know, bad or good. <laughs> so um, I'm going to attempt to answer these questions. Um, and by the way, we can revisit this as much as you like. I This is an interesting thing to me. So I'm not going to read each question and answer it. I'm just going to try to um, try to explain myself a bit further. I think if I explain myself a bit further, some of these things get answered. And by the way, this is me explaining myself. And by no means is this me trying to convince you of something. This is only my understanding of things based on my experiences and what I've learned thus far. And what do we know about experience? It happens through the mind. So 
Um, as usual, let's get uh, let's start with a word so that we're all on the same page. It kind of, I think, sums up a lot of what's going on here. Let's look at the word emotion. Um, and the reason I wanted to do, talk about the word emotion is because of the way God is described as essentially having emotions. Um, emotions, the way I see them, the way I understand them, are labels that we give physiological sens- uh, sensations within the context of certain experiences. In other words, just because your pulse is racing doesn't mean you're having a panic attack, right? You can experience an increased heart rate for a lot of reasons. Another example would be that uh, you can cry and it doesn't mean that you're sad or heartbroken, right? Like you can cry happy tears. So emotions are physiological sensations that are within a context of a certain experience. Now, uh, we experience these things because the subconscious mind is trying to get the body to do something and at the most basic level that something is, has something to do with eating or fucking. So, um, emotions, according to Wikipedia, uh, quote, emotions are physiological states brought on by neurophysiological changes, uh, variously associated with thoughts, feelings, behavioral responses, and a degree of pleasure or displeasure, end quote. And all of which are, evolutionary, right? These are evolutionary responses to stimuli. Stimuli. Um, another one uh, here, this is um, according to the American Psychological Association, the APA, uh, emotion is defined as a complex reaction pattern um, involving experiential, behavioral, and physiological elements. Um, emotions are how individuals deal with matters or situations they find personally significant. Um, We see a lot of subjectivity there. Um, So when we look at how we understand the phenomena that we call emotions, we can see that they're evolutionary. They have, these are evolutionary responses. Now, I think that this bumps up against some Christians' beliefs due to the fact that the Bible uh, says that we are, or at least uh, men are, made in his image. And if we are made in his image, why wouldn't he have emotions? This is riddled with problems. Um, When I've pressed on the idea that the Bible says things like his and man, I'm usually told that, well, when it says man, it doesn't mean men as in males. It means all humans. Is that right? Well, so you're saying that In those instances, this book is not being taken literally, but in the same verse, it is being taken literally. You you see where this starts to get strange, I'm sure. Um, Either way, I maintain that God is not a person and does not have biological imperatives. God or source does not have a nervous system because it is not human. Um, I'm going to stop there because... I could beat this up for hours. Also, I think I'm a bit more familiar with the Bible than some of you might think I am. I'm talking to you, wink, wink. Um, I really hope we can continue to debate and have fun with this. Um, I'd also like to point out that if you are listening to this podcast and 
having these thoughts, you're having these thoughts about God while still devoted to your faith, I have a ton of respect for you. Um, and I appreciate it more than you know. So thank you. I mean that. Um, another very interesting question. Uh, it came from yet another disaffected Christian was about creation. Um, why create? Well, I don't know. I mean, all of nature creates and it creates for its own good. Um, some would say that we don't create in the same way an ant or a honeybee creates because we create, well, what we create we think is garbage, right? Like we could say that uh, we create superfluous knickknacks that don't have a real purpose other than entertainment. Well, I would beg to differ. I think that our entertainment is facilitating the evolution of our consciousness. And that might be a bit scary, but I think it's quite obvious. Um, let's try looking at it this way. Um, as evolution occurs, things that don't evolve cease to exist. Um, they don't do well and they fall away. In other words, mammals that can't keep up with the herd or develop in a way uh, that hinders their own progress, prevents them from staying safe, prevents them from getting food, acquiring a mate, a mate rather, will cease to exist. So we look at something like social media. Um, when I mention us as humans creating something superfluous that doesn't matter or could be considered harmful, a lot of people probably thought of social media. Well, I've used social media to my advantage, and I believe that I have used it for good, at least subjectively, right? And again, this is just my belief, so bear with me. Um, so consciousness being a faculty of the mind has shifted due to the fact that some people have used social media to make others aware of things that they were not previously aware of and in turn improved their lives. Um, others, on the other hand, have used social, social media as, as an echo chamber uh, to bounce ideas around that led to kind of a backward de-evolution of their own consciousness. And I realize, again, that this is completely subjective, but I think it's safe to say that some have used social media in such a way that their experience of life has become increasingly unenjoyable. Uh, their perception of others the world around them and who they are relative or otherwise have been skewed to their own detriment. Um, their ability to think critically has been lost and they, they have become so easily led and trained that they've lost their ability to think for themselves. And now these people experience the world as a fucking flaming trash fire. Now, this is obviously just my opinion. But this is also, you know, my podcast and not a public utility. Um, also, you know, I've warned so many of you so many times that I am a meathead, heretic, and a Luciferian. So if you're still listening to me prattle on about this, you know, that, that's, on, that's on you. <laughs> um, uh, the creation thing is interesting. Um, it leads to interesting questions. Um, Hmm. Obviously, something uh, comes from something. So we came from somewhere. Some cause and effect occurred, and here we are. But the question becomes, 
was the creation conscious? Uh, was it simply chemicals reacting? Was it on purpose? And was the idea of worship part of our creation? As if we were created by a lonely God that wanted to create a fan club that gets punished if we aren't all super fans, right? Well, I don't know. I know that as far as Christians go, some would say that we were created in God's image to worship him, which seems wildly narcissistic. However, the parable of the prodigal son is interesting. Um, it implies that we're like uh, the children that wandered off uh, to get a taste of the big city, but then found, found out that you know he belongs at home with his father. That parable leads me to the idea within Hinduism of returning to Godhead. Um, Buddhism tends to cut straight to it and say, basically, it doesn't matter how we got here or even why we got here. We simply need to remember, uh, remember our true nature and go back into the clear white light or the Dharmakaya. Um, both of these symptoms, uh, I'm sorry, systems imply a level of forgetfulness on the part of the soul. In other words, the soul is confused due to what's called obscurations. The more the soul wanders off, the more obscurations it accumulates and the more forgetful it gets. So, or we get. So it really becomes a matter of remembering our true nature and working with it so that at the time of death, we can go home. Um, these obscurations are the karma or the mind. Um, it's how the soul becomes confused and preoccupied by the ego and needs to see the mind for what it is and remember its true nature, which is impermanent the mind that is, um, the soul becomes confused and believes that it is the body and thus believes that the mind is real and just gets more and more twisted up. <laughs> um, we can really get lost in the, the why, like why humans were created and forget that, you know, we can get forgetful and we we're losing precious time in the present moment with being present with what is and, and living closer to awareness or soul when we get caught up in, in all of this stuff about why we're here and, and all that. Um, another interesting idea is the Christian Gnostic version of why we're here, which plays more into the storyline that this birth is some sort of a mistake. And due to this mistake, it's our duty to escape and remember that we are souls trapped in human form. And somehow as souls, we got lost in this. Uh, this is similar to the Eastern idea, but with a bit more folly, uh, kind of a cosmic whoopsie-daisy built into the story. Um, I find this interesting because the, the parable of the prodigal son really plays into that. So when it comes to creation, I just don't know. I don't even know that I care to know why we're created. I'm just going to try to be here now. Um, we can get really lost in that stuff and become fixated on something that ultimately won't free us, right? It can become a real quagmire. Um, another question about the evolution. Um, this was an interesting one. It was about the evolution of species on Earth. Now, um, <laughs> coming from me, this is more of a trippy idea than anything else, but... You know the old Alan Watts quote about how an apple tree apples and the earth peoples? Well, maybe that's it. Maybe consciousness itself, the cosmic mind itself, source or God itself is evolving as form in order to better understand itself. Maybe 
this also accounts for the reason for creation. Maybe we're God unfolding. And if that's the case, I think that is tough for some people because it makes it all a little less special, maybe. I don't know. Um, and this leads me to my to the next question, really. Does God even matter? Well, I don't know. Um, plenty of people seem to be doing just fine without God, so I just don't know. I also don't feel like I need to know. I enjoy, like, I do this because I enjoy playing with these questions. I enjoy rolling them around in my head. I'm not afraid to ask them because I just don't have the widget of God that is threatening and more like an angry, abusive dad than a peaceful fountainhead that is the source of all, right? Um, When I gave up on the literal translations and needing to prove anything or everything to be true or false, my life got increasingly pleasurable, um, especially from a spiritual standpoint. I have never felt more connected uh, to that fountainhead than I do now. But I also don't have a transactional relationship with God, um, the kind of relationship where if I do all the things that God wants me to do, I'll get his love and attention and a place by the throne when I die. Well, I don't have a fear of God's wrath nor a fearful need for God's favor so you know, so that he, he won't send me to the bad place. You know, I just don't have that. Some people do. I just don't. And I feel like since I don't, I want to play with these questions and really turn the whole thing inside out. So that's it for God to God part Two electric boogaloo, the second coming. Um, I hope this was helpful. I hope that you found this beneficial. And as usual, if you have questions, comments or suggestions, feel free to reach out. I'll always respond. And as I mentioned before, if you'd like to support the ongoing creation of this podcast and everything that is the infinite spark of being, uh, please do that, theinfinitesparkofbeing.com, where there's a link to the Patreon, as well as a link to books and other merch like shirts, tank tops, and posters. And as what usual, um, don't forget, you can always reach out. Some of you are really finding that out. We're having a lot of fun. Uh, one of those conversations might turn into um, a podcast where I interview this person because I found her fascinating. Uh, reach out, talk to me. We're old friends. Don't be weird about it. Bye. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.